Amen. Okay, I'm a wee bit loud there. I'm ringing a wee bit. Amen. How, how has your week been? Have you been fed up? Have you been frustrated? Are you wanting things to move quickly? Or maybe you're wanting things to move a wee bit slower? This morning we want to come and we want to we want to focus on, and it's crazy, you know, we're thinking about how we build community for young people and how we create a warm community when we can't meet at this point. So uh, <laughs> you, you, you'll just have to take this message on board, not only for when you're in the building, but when day by day, and you do this, you meet, you meet folks who are part of church and, and you meet folks who are maybe connected in some way to church. And, and what we would love you to do is to think about how you can love, how you can connect, and how you can just share the good news that Jesus has given you and also the family that he has planted you in here. And it might be, you know, over this year of lockdown, there, I've heard stories of people checking in from across the world and also from across the road. And we would love it, you know, like even if you've not been here, that you'll discover that you're part of this community. And of course, that, that means that, you know, when the time comes, we'd invite you to, to get involved, to be part, to become members, become part of the family. We'd love to see you. It's going to be exciting to see when we can gather, what a party it's going to be. But when we gather together, it's going to be exciting to see the new faces who have connected with the Father through the wonders of this technology. And even when this technology doesn't, doesn't perform maybe as well as it should, we're so thankful that we have this. Because, what, even five years ago, we would have been, I don't know what we'd be doing. God is good. God has supplied and God continues to supply. Anyway, we, we, want to, we want to begin this message with a story, with a laugh. I think sometimes when tough times come, we need, to, we need to try and laugh. We need to try and laugh and enjoy and laugh in the face of the enemy. So, that's a, that's a long and convoluted way of saying, here's a wee joke for the start of the service. A man was being mugged by two thugs and he put up a tremendous fight. He was fighting, he was fighting, he was fighting. Eventually they overcame him. They, they got him on the ground, they took his wallet and they looked in his wallet and they found two pounds. Two pounds they found in his wallet and they said to him, why on earth did you put up such a fight? To which the man promptly replied, I was afraid you'd find the 200 pounds in my shoe. You know, we need to put up a fight. We need to put up a fight for what is important. And what is important is not just for us, but it's for the people who are not yet part of this family, who are not yet part of this community. We need to fight to pass on the good news that we've received, not keep it for ourselves, and pass it to those who need to know the love and the care of Jesus. Young people and all of us need a church that is warm, welcoming, that's honest, and that it is home. 
Jesus found such a community as a 12-year-old boy temporarily separated from his parents. And we're, we're going to read that in a wee moment. But I, I have a confession to make that one time on holiday, Donna and I, well, it's probably more me, uh, we lost Peter. There was, there was one time when he was just born, we left him in an island, Dobby's, um, but we, we got him back. He didn't know much about that one. But when we were on holiday, we lost him at the zoo. And so we're going to invite Donna and Peter to share a little bit of that experience. Okay, boys, you're going to put on Donna and Peter. you remember when you were maybe small and you were left somewhere by pure accident, you were alone somewhere and you didn't know where it was that you were going and, and you didn't know what was going to happen. The feeling of being alone stands in stark contrast to what happened with Jesus. When he was being presented at the temple, Mum and Dad were doing all that would fulfill the, the Jewish rituals and rites at that time, and they lost him. So this is, this is the only story we hear of Jesus as a boy. We read in Luke chapter 2, verse 41. So every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. And after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking that he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began to look for him among their relatives and friends. And when they could not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, three days, this is not ten minutes lost in Dobby's, this is three days they eventually found him 
in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And everyone who heard them was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went to Nazareth with them. He was obedient to them, but his mother treasured all these things in their hearts. In verse 52, here's a prayer to pray over your kids, over your family as they're growing up, and even if they're grown up. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. May that be our prayer that we pray that our kids, our young people, our church will grow in wisdom and stature and in the favor and in favor with God and man. Amen. Thanks be to God for the reading of his holy word. So, this is the only account we have of Jesus as a child in scripture. And it is a story where mum and dad lose him. You know, it's, it's not the stories that we want to tell. It's, can you imagine Mary and Joseph? So, the, the women would travel in kind of one caravan, if you like, a, a, a posse. And the men would travel in a separate posse. So, they're probably thinking, well, well Jesus is, is with them or Jesus is with them. You know what I mean? They're, they're both thinking that Jesus, eventually they get together to chat and they go, you've not got him. I've not got him. I thought you had him. Have you ever had that discussion? I thought you had him. Where, what, what? At which point they search everywhere, they can't find him, and they realize they're going to have to go back. And three days later, they go back. And, and, and if it was me, I would be raging. I don't know if you'd be raging. I would be raging. And I think they are quite cross. However, when they see him, they're kind of struck speechless by his response. It was important for Jesus to visit the temple in Jerusalem prior to becoming the son of the covenant at age 13 in order to learn what was expected, what was expected of him. His parents were doing the right thing as good Jewish parents would do. But given Jesus' extended family traveling together, it would have been expected that Jesus would kind of be bouncing about. But eventually they realize he's not there. And so the distress is very real. But three days, three days, reminds us of how we will rise again after three days. But three days raises an important question. Who looked after him? Who looked after him? who, perhaps most importantly, fed him. Now, I have a 12-year-old boy. He's been playing drums this morning. Now, I know that 12-year-old boys need fed. I know that 12-year-old boys always need fed. Almost constantly, they need fed. So who fed this 12-year-old Jesus? It is not a small matter. From what's implied in the passage, it seems that the community stepped in to look after him. They saw Jesus, they welcomed him in, they listened to him, and by the time his parents caught up with him, he was amazing people with his questions and ideas. Wondering aloud, I wonder if this is the experience 
that our young people have in our church? Or is it your experience of our church? These are difficult, tricky questions to ask. Are we a church that welcomes all ages, invites them in to let them ask their questions and actually to listen to what their ideas are? Not only teenagers, young adults, single people, widowed people, folks who've lost loved ones, those who are new to the community, do they discover that same welcome where we take them in, we feed them, and we look after them when they're in need? Because sometimes people feel separate from the church. Sometimes folks feel, you know, you know when you were wee, I don't know if this ever happened to you when you were wee, but there was always a kid's table that, that if, you were, if you were part of the family, you were kind of shunted off. We were always shunted off with the cousins to a, a either a different room or the kids' table. <clears throat> and sometimes it was great. Sometimes I wanted to be away from the, the adults and just, you know, enjoy myself. But there was other times when I really wanted to be part of what the adult conversations were. And I think sometimes that's the same in church. There are times where kids want to be away doing their stuff. But there's also times when they want to be involved in what's going on. And that makes it messy. That makes it loud. That makes it noisy. But they discover that they are valued. And if they're not shouted at for making a noise, then they feel that they're part of it. And they never lose that feeling of welcome, I don't think. God intends for each of us to be welcomed into his church. We want to be multi-generational. That is our call from the young to the old. We want everyone to discover that God loves them and that there is a place for them here. In this locality, in this parish, we want folks to discover that St. John's is home for them. Now it's interesting, we've been, we're going through this Growing Young program with the Fuller Youth Institute, and they've discovered from their research that young people, those aged between 15 and 29, are looking for churches to welcome them to the full table. And while we might assume that they want a cool church, what they really, really want is a warm church. A church that says, welcome home, you belong here. A church that's willing to accept young people and older people and all people where they are and walk with them in the light of God's grace. The most common description that, that young people who are integrated in a church describe church as, not, not mentioning the teaching or the worship, what they speak about is that church feels like family. In 1983, there was a young man who tried to assassinate Pope John Paul II. He was arrested, he was imprisoned, and in January 1984, the Pope visited him. And when he walked through the cell door, he said to the young man, I forgive you. This was the man who shot him. And he said, I forgive you. One cynical paper said, of course he forgave. Forgiveness is the Pope's business. 
but actually it's every Christian's business. Forgive as you've been forgiven. And that, I believe, is one of the first steps to building community, to inviting people in, and when they make mistakes, to forgive, to walk alongside them in the light of God's grace and help them to discover what Jesus is doing in them and through them as he is doing for you and for me. The theologian Miroslav Volf speaks about the Trinity and how they are in community, Father, Son, and Spirit. And he speaks of how the Trinity and the community that they have undergirds the community that we are to have in church. What he says is that we, our church, doesn't mean we meet occasionally on Zoom or YouTube or in the building, or that we kind of cooperate in a current project. Instead, he says, we actually become part of one another. Wow, that's a pretty huge concept, isn't it? We become one. And this sounds like Paul's call that in the body of Christ, each member belongs to all the others. Romans 12, verse 5. Each member belongs to all the others. So rather than seeing ourselves as a loosely affiliated group of kind of spiritual people that do the same things on a Sunday, Scripture seems to suggest that we are one body. We belong to each other. That means we're connected tendon to bone across generations as we work out faith together. Donna is going to give us a couple more examples now of people who've made an impact on her life in the time that she's been here. And speaking about being part of a body, one person who springs to mind for me is Liz Rankin. I know a couple of weeks ago, Russell put on the community page after different people who show, you know, just to get feedback on people who are empathetic. And my children came up with a whole list of names. And Liz was right there at the top because she's always around, always being warm and welcoming, always looking out for other people, introducing to them, helping them make friends, just young and old. She's so kind to everybody. And I, you know, I know she helps with Sunday Club, I know she helps with mops, but just other people that spring to my mind are folk like Jeanette Binney and Heather Cartledge, who they also help with mops, getting to know these mums, getting to know their little children just building up warm relationships with people. They're just people of invitation. And then thinking back to when Keith and I first came here, people who stood out to me as being warm, Elizabeth and Ian Drever, as soon as we arrived, were so welcoming, invited us into their home, just were the perfect models of how to be people of hospitality, people of warmth, welcomed us into the body of the Kirk. And, you know, even more recently than that, I remember when we came home from hospital with a little baby Christopher, as soon, like minutes after getting home, the Browns, Andrew and Fiona Brown, were on our doorstep with a homemade meal that was still warm. And just little things like that, that just to me highlights how being in church, it's warm, it's welcoming, it's being part of a family together, it's being part of a group of people who look out for each other, and care for each other in the good times and the bad. And, you know, I'm saying these names, but I look out across church and there are just so many people that go out of their way 
quietly in the background, always looking out for each other, building up relationships, being warm and welcoming. And that is why I love being part of our church. And, and also, just to big up Liz a little bit more, I firmly believe that she saved Scott's life. You know, Scott has had many issues and would lo- when time comes, we'd love to get him to come back and give his testimony of, of where he has been and how this last couple of years he's, he's managed to, to rid himself of the drugs and the drink and all that stuff. And Liz was a catalyst in that. And that's the thing about family. It's not always great, is it? It's not always wonderful. You know family is tough. But family, I think, always forgives and never stops loving, even in the hardest times. And if I could give one example. Don, as you may not know, you may know that Donna became ill in, in September last year. Um, she had a, a wee episode and it was quite worrying for us all. We didn't know what had happened. We still don't know quite what had happened. But I was just amazed by how our church came round us and looked after us and cared for us. It was nice to receive, you know, because a lot of the time we all feel like we're given, given, given. But we need to be able to receive as well. I think as church, we're doing well. But I think we can do more. I believe that there are young people, there are old people, but especially at this time we're thinking about folks who are in the next generations, if you wish, who need to discover that warmth and that community. And it won't be that they'll come in the door. They'll not appear en masse. So we need to go out and show our love. We need to show the love to the young people we have. We need to show that love to others as well. In Jesus' time as well as today, churches that grow young, I believe, find adolescents and emerging adults who need our welcome and embrace and that we become a warm home for them. There was a priest in Italy and the priest was, uh, he, he was in the cathedral and he noticed that there was a, a young couple who were on their knees beside a statue of the Virgin Mary. And he, he thought, oh my goodness, they're very devout. They were there for about an hour or so every, every kind of other day. And then eventually he kind of went up to them and, and said, are you okay? Is there anything I can do? You know, I'm the priest here. What can I do? And it turns out that they were charging their phones behind the statue there was a socket so they were there and they were just charging their phones and they were just sitting waiting however when the priest discovered this and somebody else had said well what are you going to do you're going to kick them out and he said they can come and charge their phones any time they wish and i love that just that you know we just want to bless people we want to be a blessed machine we want to invite people in and we want to point them to Jesus. Because not only do young people benefit from a warm community, but also the entire church benefits. Just like the adults around the boy Jesus benefited from his presence and his questions, we all grow in vitality when there are young people around. We, we get the vitality, we get the energy, we get lifted up. So 
What are we to do? What does this look like for you and me in the weeks ahead? Well, what if one of the measures of success, if we wanted to speak about success as a church, was our extension of hospitality to young people? What does that look like for us as church? The good news for all of us is that Jesus intends to pull us together. And just as Jesus reconciles us to God, Jesus also reconciles us to each other. So perhaps in the next few months, when we get a chance, encourage opportunities for us in church to try to welcome young people in. If you have a, a, a younger person in your house, why don't you invite another one in church around? Why don't you invite that family when we can, when we're allowed, around for, I don't know, afternoon tea or a, you know, a coffee in the garden or for a walk together? How about as church? How about as church? When you recognize someone from church, you say hello and you welcome them and you invite a question. You say, how are things? And you stop and wait. And if they say fine, you say, well, really, how are things? And do that with young people. Don't, don't, don't everyone do it the same one at the same time, they'll get freaked out. But, you know, just take time and speak to someone. Notice them. Say hello. And maybe walk across the road to see them and greet them. There's a story of a church that when they were entering into the time of Lent, they decided to do 40 days of love. And in the first week, they were encouraged to send notes, short letters to people who'd made a positive contribution to their lives. There was this man who heard the story and he came to the minister at the end of the service and he said, that's a great idea, but there's no way I'm doing that. There's no way I'm writing nice, lovely letters. That's just not who I am. I love you. I love this church, but I'm not going to participate in this 40 days of love stuff. It's okay for some folks, but it's just too sentimental for me. Then, the following Sunday, he came up to the pastor, the minister, and he said, hey, I'm sorry. I realize that I was out of line last week. Something happened on Wednesday that changed my mind. And the minister said to him, well, what happened? And this macho, tough guy man said, I received a letter from someone in the church and it broke me and I'm going to participate and I'm going to show this love to all those that I know. I wonder if you and I can begin to show the love that we have received to those in need. And actually, as you give, you may discover that you receive. All of us can look for ways to gather all the generations around the same table. All of us can look for ways to heat up the warmth of our church family. Because when we become a warm church, we become a multi-generational church. A church where young people and all of us want to grow. We want to grow. As a body, we want to grow. To give all the honor and all the glory to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
us pray. Father, may you, in your amazing grace, shown to each one of us, may you rekindle in our hearts not only a love for you if we feel far away, but a love for each other and a love for those who are not yet part of our community. And for those who are disillusioned with our community, Lord, we pray that you'll bring them back in. Lord, you never give up on us. May we not give up on each other or upon our young people or upon the young people of Dalkeith. Lord, show us the way. Bring us in. Bring us into your love. And may we help bring others into your love. In your name we pray. I'm not quite sure what you think about when you think of warm community, but if you were to ask one of my 19-year-olds, who's this goofy but lovable guy, he would tell you, car rides. You see, um, Aaron came to our church at the age of 14. He's actually one of the few uh, students at our church um, whose parents don't actually attend um, with him. And so for the past five years, um, different families have, have volunteered to pick him up as well as to drop him off. In those car rides, I, what I didn't know was that they were sacred moments um, for, for Aaron. Because in those car rides, Aaron got to know these families and these families got to know Aaron. Um, actually, Next to the pastor and next to the church leaders, a lot of families actually know Aaron pretty well because of these car rides. And um, these car rides would, would start off with simple questions like, what, makes you, uh, what made you smile this week, Aaron? Um, and it evolved into you know, other questions like, what, what was challenging for you this week? Um, what did you learn um, from your friend this week? Um, what what have you been learning um, in the Bible this week? And, and those, those questions uh, allowed him to freely be himself. And it allowed him to deem the adults that were, you know, trustworthy for him. Um, and when you think about it, he doesn't have any family ties to our church whatsoever. And so you kind of have to ask, well, why are you coming to our church? Um, so we actually asked that uh, in one of the car rides. And when we asked Aaron, and this is the part that wrecks me, um, so I'm going to try my best not to cry. But, but Aaron says, it's the teens. It's the adults. Uh, it's you. And then he says, you know, at my last church, a lot of people think, a lot of people think I'm dumb. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people don't like me. They reject me. They don't even want to hang out with me. And, and he says, I know we tease each other often, but I know at the end of the day, we're family. For students like Aaron, it's not about the programs. 
It's not about the worship. It's, it's about the relationships that he has formed with, with other students, but also with, with the families. Because to him, the church has become you know, his family. Church wasn't just a building. It was a place where he is known and loved for who he is. And so if you ask Aaron, what is a warm community? He'd say car rides. <laughs>